You are listening to the Blockchain Dialogues podcast. All views expressed on this show are for educational purposes only and not meant to be taken as financial advice. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Blockchain Dialogues podcast with your hosts Krishna and Nikhil. In this podcast series, we analyze various cutting-edge technologies and projects in the field of blockchains, DLTs, and cryptocurrencies. In today's episode, we are joined by John Woods, who is the CTO of Algorand Foundation, and Benedetto Biondi, who is the CEO of Fox Finance, which is the leading DeFi protocol built on Algorand. John is joining us from Dublin, Ireland, and Ben is joining us from Milan, Italy. John and Ben, a very warm welcome to you on our show from both Nikhil and myself. Thank you. Great to be here. And it's my first audio podcast. I'm really interested to see how I sound. <laughs> Thank you so much, gentlemen, for having me here. That's great and uh, very uh, interested to see how it goes. Perfect. So to start off, uh, we would love to know about your backgrounds, your crypto journeys, and uh, what got you into your current roles with your respective companies as of today. John, we know that prior to working with the Algorand Foundation, you were also the director of architecture at Cardano. So uh, would, you, would you like to go first and uh, tell us about your background and what your crypto journey has been like up to this point? Yeah, totally. So um, I guess, you know, gr- I grew up being a, being a geeky kid. I uh, love playing with computers. Uh, went on to do uh, engineering in university. Um, always fascinated by building uh, technology and, 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 and playing with, uh, with electronic stuff. Um, and then naturally over the years, I, I worked as a software developer and then later an architect. And I guess I gravitated towards cryptography because I felt it was really interesting. There was something magic about using mathematics to be able to hide information and share secrets. Um, and then I guess that led me to um, studying applied cryptography in, in, in my own time and uh, becoming capable, uh, I guess, in, in that sphere. And then so combining my experience in software engineering and then uh, my love of, of, of the cryptography um, and I guess some experience that I'd had working in banking because I, I worked in a number of banks as well um, as a technical person, but, but still in, in a banking context, it led me perfectly into the kind of crypto space um, because it is the intersection of all of those things. Um, and then I guess uh, you know, uh, in terms of the relevant work that I've done in terms of the crypto crypto space, um, I, I was an architect and led applied cryptography at Consensus, which is an Ethereum uh, studio. They build things on Ethereum. And then more recently, I, I was the chief architect uh, over at IOHK, leading out the engineering uh, and architecture for Cardano. Um, and then finally, uh, I guess my third crypto job, if you want to call it that, is with the foundation, the Algorand Foundation, that is. Great. Thank you for sharing your story with our audience, John. Uh, ben, would you like to tell us about yourself and what your crypto journey has been like? Yes, sure. Um, so I'm pretty young. I'm 27. Uh, so I was a student until a few years ago. My uh, educational background uh, was a, a mechanical engineer, bachelor, did here in uh, Polytechnic of Milan. And uh, then I worked at uh, for a few months as a mechanical designer and I didn't like it at all. I felt like uh, I wanted to be on the management side and uh, um, was a bit limiting for me. I felt this really and um, I decided to do a master. I was doing a master in uh, management and innovation engineering. Um, This was done in Cardiff 
And uh, that's where I had uh, an IT course during a semester, which I really loved. And it was about um, new technologies. And uh, that's where also was uh, about blockchain, big data. So it was really fascinating for me. Um, indeed, it's still a management engineering, right? So I always been more on the management side. Uh, but uh, there's a bit of interest towards blockchain that I took from this course brought me to apply for a job in a software house as a project manager. Um, that's Blockchain Italia. And uh, this software house is basically Milan and was a global partner of Algorand. So when I started to work as a project manager, I, I, I was uh, working on different projects, supply chain, um, notarization on blockchain. Um, indeed, uh, when we saw DeFi growing on Algorand, that's where uh, my pure love for crypto and uh, this sector, which is decentralized finance, really bumped because I, I was the project manager of Fox, which at the beginning was still under the software house, then it became a separate identity. Uh, but simply, I really loved that. And now it's uh, two years that I'm fully into that. So yeah, that's a bit about my background. Thanks for sharing that, Ben. And uh, before we move on, I just wanted to mention that prior to this recording, I was researching a little bit on you, Ben. And I learned that you have a passion for fishing as well. Uh, in fact, the blue color in the Fox Finance logo is uh, supposed to represent the ocean, right? So uh, I was excited to know about this because fishing is one of my passions as well. You know, yeah, uh, the blue is one of my favorite color always because of the ocean. I, I simply love it. It's uh, it's like uh, I I grew up in the south of Italy. Mm -hmm. I am from Calabria, which is like the last region, uh, the closest to Sicily. And uh, I was born on a small city on uh, on the Mediterranean Sea, on the Ionian, and. Uh, I spent like every year five months on in, in the water, basically, and mm. uh, that's where I started to have passion for spear fishing. Uh, that's my uh, my my big biggest passion. And then there is DeFi, <laughs> but um, yeah, definitely the, the the blue coral of Fox uh, to me reminds also of the ocean. That's great. Uh, so yeah, just coming back to the uh, companies uh, you're both working for. So. Uh... John, from a very top-level perspective, uh, can you explain for our audience uh, how Algorand is different from some of the other layer ones out there? And uh, what are some of the key things about Algorand that make it what it is? Sure, yeah, absolutely. So Algorand is a layer one blockchain. What does that mean? It means uh, it's a blockchain that you can build applications on um, that is uh, running its own consensus. And so Algorand is secured uh, by a consensus algorithm that uh, ensures the security of the network um, to an extremely high standard. Um, Algorand uh, also provides uh, technology that is best in class. So if you look at, at the other the competitors in the blockchain space, you'll think of names like Ethereum, uh, Cardano, and, and equivalents. Polygon as well is another one. Um, and whilst all of these technologies are pretty good, um, I think Algorand really excels. And so it excels in a few different areas. Um, one, in terms of scalability, two, in terms of security, and three, in terms of resilience. When I say resilience, I mean Algorand has had uh, no downtime since it began. And that doesn't mean that we'll never have any downtime, but if you compare it to other projects, most of them have had a lot of downtime. Additionally, I would say one or two things that really separate Algorand from the rest of the, the layer one blockchains that are out there. 
Number one, uh, Algorand provides uh, all of these features uh, as, as, uh, from the point of view of scalability, the resiliency, um, and the security. It provides those features whilst also being um, a blockchain that is really quick and really cheap. So Algorand is faster and cheaper than nearly every blockchain out there. Um, and on top of that, uh, it has three and a half second finality. So that means that when you're interacting with an application uh, on the blockchain, you're submitting transactions, or when you're sending money on, on the Algorand blockchain, your transactions interact um, at a really, really quick pace. So Algorand supports about six and a half to 7,000 transactions a second right now. But with the block finality being every three seconds, it means you don't have to wait for confirmations. And this gives a user experience and an application experience that is uh, really, really great. And then finally, I would just say that this three-second finality, or three-and-a-half-second finality, sorry, um, is coupled with the fact that Algorand doesn't have any uh, short forks. So a lot of blockchains out there will have this kind of notion of block height battles, where the blockchain temporarily splits um, because of consensus, where you would have, for a short time, com uh, two competing chains and then finally one of those heads uh, will, will die away. But that doesn't happen in, in, in Algorand. In Algorand, consensus is always reached 100% of the time by the entirety of the uh, committees that are creating consensus. And this means that you don't have to worry about rollbacks or block height battles or short forks when you're building applications on Algorand. So in a nutshell, just a great platform uh, on which to build your decentralized apps. Great. I think that's a great overview. You know, we'll, we'll definitely... Uh, take a deeper dive into uh, many of the things that you mentioned and, you know, how you tackle the, the blockchain trilemma. Uh, but before we do that, you know, I just want to bring in folks finance as well. So, uh, Ben, could you, from a top level perspective, explain to our audience, what is folks finance? What is the vision behind the company? What is the main value proposition of your product? And uh, also for other developers or dApp builders that are listening to this, uh, what would you like to tell them about your experience building on Algorand and uh, working with the Algorand Foundation? You know, uh, what the funding process has been like, the support that you received from the foundation or uh, anything else? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so first of all, let me give you a little bit of history. Like I was mentioning before that uh, uh, Folks Finance was started by Blockchain Italia, the software house. And um, at that time, we simply saw DeFi growing on Algorand and uh, you know, we was uh, we were one of the few dev shops uh, that was having then knowledge, like the expertise over Algorand, right? It was uh, uh, pretty early, and uh, we were like, okay, let's build something cool. Uh, we surely have advantages. And um, uh, th let me give you my my way of defining Algorand, which I really like. For me, Algorand is uh, um, uh, the best blockchain where to build business application trusted by institutions. Um, indeed, uh, I'm not very technical as John writes, and we have him for that. But I can tell you also that Algorand is, uh, uh, it has always tried to reach this level of trying to collaborate with institutions and looking forward to do that. And uh, thanks to the technical part that makes it um, uh, the best in class, then we can also go towards institution and say, look, we have uh, uh, 100% always up uh, finality. Um, now, all of those things then brings it also to be good to build applications that actually can be trusted. Also, for example, for a large transfer of money. And um, so for us, leveraging this kind of uh, definition, 
it was like, okay, what are we going to build? And uh, a lending protocol was for us pretty simple answer because even in traditional finance, uh, you know, uh, borrowing and lending is the main pillar of finance. So we decided to start to build this lending protocol. And um, we launched uh, on April 2022 on mainnet. Uh, the development took us a while because we started when there was even not the virtual machine. And uh, at that time, I remember that people was telling us it's not even possible to build a lending protocol without uh, uh, such a, uh, without an advanced uh, development ecosystem, right? So uh, we took it as a challenge. We did it. We already arrived almost to testnet. But then the virtual machine went out and we were like, okay, if we are going to uh, update the code, then uh, the process, the user experience will be much, much smoother. So that's what, that's what we did, and uh, it was actually a very good choice. So as I said, we went live on mainnet in April uh, last year. And um, since that uh, time, we kept growing and uh, building, improving the product. Um, in uh, less than a year, in December, we were able to deploy the version 2 of the protocol. And uh, I said to you, we started as a lending protocol. So for us, the core business has always been the lending protocol. We use as reference Avent Compound. But from the very beginning, simply because on algorithm we couldn't fork any code because um, it's not EVM, we had to build everything from scratch. And this process brought us to actually doing, make, make innovation um, into the economic model, for example. And we always kept this uh, model into our mind that uh, let's uh, use reference, but always build better. So uh, that's, uh, that's what differentiates us and also allow us to, to be better in, uh, in the industry. I think I can easily define folks finance lending uh, as today uh, the most advanced lending protocol in the industry. But as I said to you, we always uh, were uh, uh, adding feature also. So for example, we added the liquid governance, which uh, is uh, um, connected to the algorithm governance. We integrated the swaps into the protocol uh, uh, recently, which is uh, um, also simply by integrating a DEX aggregator. So now Fox Finance wants to be a one-stop shop where a user can enter with his wallet and uh, perform different operations, uh, kind of a centralized exchange, but powered by the centralized tools. So that's our uh, mission over the product overall. And uh, working with the Algorand Foundation has been always great, really. Um, we received a grant for uh, the, pro the, the building of the product uh, even before uh, we, we launched on Testnet. Um, there was always support from, uh, from Algorand in marketing, in uh, technical support. We talked directly with the team. So uh, it has been always great, really. Can't complain. And um, it's also true that when we started, this was different timings. Uh, you know, DeFi was on a very big hype. Um, so uh, it wasn't a beer market. So now for a new founder that is approaching might be a little more difficult, even more than a little. But um, still, the Algorand Foundation always gave a great support. And I think they are going to do also with other founders.
And I think that's a very good explanation of why somebody should pick Algorand platform as a dApp developer. And uh, we'll definitely go into more details of liquid governance and G-Algo and all that uh, in, in the deep dive. But before that, I, I guess let's, let's just start off by taking a deeper look into the Algorand protocol itself. Yeah, that's a great overview uh, that John and Ben, thank you uh, for providing that. And I think uh, one of the core things that we... Uh, took away from it was you know this general sense that uh, algorand has uh, got great uh, finality there is uh, very few forks of the chain and it has an almost uh, miraculous uptime right it's uh, it's it's very rare for people to say that uh, it's been up uh, there since ever since uh, they started so i think it's time to kind of like go a little deeper into how or why that works right so when we think, uh, like uh, Krishna had re- referred to earlier, uh, when we think about blockchains and the constraints around which uh, blockchains are designed, uh, we talk, we think about you know the uh, blockchain, uh, the scalability tri- trilemma, right? And this is something uh, that you know is uh, well known that uh, you know you have a triangle. On one side is uh, scalability, the other side is decentralization. And uh, the third side basically is performance. And uh, the idea essentially is that you choose two, right? So so basically, uh, perhaps you could kind of uh, talk to us, John, about how you uh, Algorand deals with this particular trilemma and, you know, uh, where it kind of falls in between uh, in, in terms of technical solutions uh, uh, with reference to the trilemma. Sure. And, you know... I think, I honestly think uh, Algorand is one of the most wonderful pieces of technology that I've ever worked on. But I will say, you, you know, we have to remain realistic. And so uh, most things in life are, are, are kind of a sliding scale, right? The, there's a trade-off. And so there, there, in software engineering, there tends not to be absolutes. And so, uh, you know, when you're building distributed systems, whether that's a blockchain, uh, which is a decentralized ledger of transactions uh, with programmability, or whether that's you know, a video game like, you know, Mortal Kombat or like Doom or something like that. And you're playing with friends who are on different parts of the world uh, in, a, in, a, in an online video game. These are effectively all distributed systems. Um, and whenever you you build systems like that, you do tend to trade away speed uh, for security or decentralization. Um, or, for example, uh, certain elements of usability um, over uh, the the benefit that you're executing in a decentralized context. And so... I would say Algorand has achieved what I consider to be the best uh, the best takedown of the trilemma uh, that I've seen in the blockchain space. And I've worked on Ethereum, I've worked on Cardano, and so and I've worked on others as well uh, in, in my own time. And the way this has been done is by some pioneering work by the founder of Algorand, whose name is Silvio Macali. Silvio is a cryptographer and computer scientist. He's very well known. He's got a Wikipedia page. Um, he's certainly well known in academic circles. Um, and he invented a number of different cryptographic uh, primitives. One of which, by the way, we don't have to talk about now, but is a zero-knowledge proof. People will know that. Silvio was one of the co-founders of, of, the, of the concept of a zero-knowledge proof. So he's very cool. Credit, credibility mm-hmm. to his name. Uh, also a recipient of the Turing Award. Right, exactly. Yeah, thank you. Uh, also a recipient of the Turing Award, which is like a, it's like an Oscar for, for being a great computer rock star. Um, yep. Uh, um, and so it's one of the most prestigious awards you can win in computer science, like, like a Nobel Prize of computer science. Um, mm-hmm. And so, um, so Silvio gave us uh, a cryptographic primitive or Lego brick um, that allows us to build Algorand 
in, in a really wonderful way. And that, that Lego brick, that, that kind of special sauce, is the VRF. And the VRF, and this is kind of, some, so, so, of course, somewhat technical, VRF is an acronym. It stands for Verifiable Random Function. And this is a, a type of mathematical instrument uh, or cryptographic primitive that we, we've used and harnessed at the core heart of the, of the consensus algorithm for Algorand. Now, what this means is that Algorand, by utilizing this VRF, and I can talk about how that's done in a, in, in later if you'd like, we can effectively achieve a consensus algorithm that is extremely secure, uh, that is incredibly green. So it, it uses uh, the, the entirety of the mainnet only uses about 80, 80 kilowatts of instantaneous energy, which is like, you know, a Tesla that's being charged. OK, so very, very mm -hmm. low in terms of energy use. And, and, what, and, and even though it's, it's, it's green, um, it's also incredibly quick. So we can basically reach consensus in a decentralized context where um, anyone who wants, it's completely permissionless, so anyone can engage in consensus and, and, and validate the blocks and the transactions that are, that are being uh, processed by the network. And by running the VRF and, and, and running consensus the way Algorand has, has been engineered to do, effectively, uh, we can do this so quickly, so cheaply, and so greenly um, that it solves this trilemma. We have high performance, high security, and high availability and scalability from a from a decentralized system and it really is down to the magic of you know there's many many moving parts to this but but fundamentally it's down to that magic secret sauce of the the vrf primitive sure and and obviously the vrf primitive we've we've uh, talked about this in a episode back in the early days of our podcast as well when we were uh, discussing algorand we talked about verifiable random functions and uh, its role which is to do cryptographic sortitions and to select basically uh, committees to run the consensus protocol so i think uh, one thing uh, just uh, in in terms of uh, laying out the groundwork a little bit so to speak so before obviously the vrf is a key tool to this but uh, the mechanism of consensus uh, essentially revolves around choosing a set of uh, random nodes to create a quote-unquote committee uh, and, and the VRF basically does the sortition to come up with this committee and there's a m multiple sets of rounds of different committees and then they basically go ahead and actually do the verification of uh, transactions. Uh, am, I, am, I, am I right or can you kind of elaborate a little bit on that side? Yeah, absolutely. I think you've put it really, really well. So the VRF is, let me let me put it this way: when when you're when you're looking at solutions, you you from a, from a general engineering point of view, when when I'm trying to engineer a solution, first I have to understand what problem I'm solving. If you don't know the problem you're solving, then it's impossible to apply an elegant solution. So let's think of the problem. The problem is, I wanna I wanna select someone from our sea of, of validators, the sea of people out there who want to participate in consensus. I need to select someone based on how much they're staking, because uh, Algorand is a proof of stake system. Mm -hmm. But I need to do it in a way that's random so that you know uh, people can't, can't predict who's gonna be picked next. And I need to do it in a way that's deterministic. And what I mean by that is, it should be possible for folks to retrospectively prove that they were, they, that they were the valid person to be selected. So I wanna pick from a large number of people weighted, on, weighted based on their stake in a way that's unpredictable, but also provably correct. Okay, that's, that's a tough uh, problem to solve. The solution to that problem is the VRF, the verifiable random function. So as you said uh, quite well, let me walk you through how consensus is operated with this super cool little primitive that we have. 
And by the way, for folks who are interested, um, you will probably be familiar with the idea of a signature algorithm. Um, so this idea that you have a private key, you sign something, and then there's a public key that you can verify the signature. Let me just break the VRF down a little bit deeper so that it will make a little bit more sense when I speak about it. The VRF also uses a private key. Okay, so you also, uh, when you're running the VRF, you do need a private key as well. Um, and you put in what's known as a seed. Okay, so a, a random piece of data that you put in, uh, you pick the data and you can seed the VRF. And when you're performing the, when you're executing the VRF with your private key and the seed, what comes out is not just a signature, or in this case, we call it a proof, but also a random output. So you get two things out. You get a proof and a random output. And this random output is just a, a stream of bytes or bits. And if you look at it, though, you'll see if you, st if you analyze it st statistically, you'll see that the random output is indistinguishable from true uh, random um, in nature. And so this random output is basically uniform randomness. And so that, that, that's what we use in order to select folks uh, during the consensus phase. Okay, so breaking down the consensus protocol, what actually happens? First, uh, a block is proposed, okay, by a number of, of different entities or nodes on, 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 the, on the Algorand network. Basically, every node loops through all of its accounts, runs the VRF, or it's sometimes referred to as a lottery, um, and then this, this message is propagated across the network. And so then we have proposals for the block. Okay, then we run the VRF again, but this stage, what we're running it for is to filter down the number of proposals to one. So we really, this is the, you know, the core part of Algorand's uh, finality, the fact that we don't have con uh, contentious uh, short forks in the blockchain. And this goes to what Ben said earlier on. Ben was saying he felt like folks finance, which is a, a best in class platform, a lending platform, um, really benefits from Algorand's underlying technology to give his users an experience that is that is tip top. And so one of those things is the fact that when people are, are, are using Ben's platform, uh, folks finance, they don't have to worry. Folks doesn't have to worry about replaying transactions, right? Because folks know, folks finance knows when the users are using the, the platform and they're enjoying, they're enjoying uh, their, their finance uh, there, Ben knows that his team don't have to replay any transactions. He knows that when he submits a transaction to the blockchain, it's final. Unlike, say, for example, Ethereum, where sometimes you'll have a short rollback and you'll have to replay transactions. Yes. Okay, so we've, we've created a block. We've now filtered it down to one proposal. And then finally, we run the VRF for a third time. Um, and when we run it for the third time, we're certifying the, the votes um, and we're basically placing the block in the blockchain. So we run these three VRFs, uh, these three VRF executions, and propagate all of this data across all of the nodes in the network and get full agreement on transactions to be validated. And it all happens in about three and a half seconds. So pretty impressive stuff. No, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for laying that out. Uh, one kind of thought I had when you were uh, talking about that was uh, in terms of Sybil attacks, right? Uh, so this is the classic uh, attack vector for uh, pre-POS systems. Uh, the general thing on that basically is that you come up with some economic incentive or disincentive that kind of de uh, deters uh, Sybil attacks in this particular case. So can you talk a little bit about that aspect as well, just from the economics perspective, what are the mechanism designs that you have in place to prevent uh, attack vectors on, on, on POS? Yes, absolutely. Um, so in Algorand, qu quite interestingly, we have two different types of nodes. We have relay nodes and participation nodes. 
Now, if you look at this under the hood, you'll see that they're both the same code base. So we have one one type, you know, one repo where we have, sorry, I, I, should, I don't want to use terms that people may, may not know. We have on GitHub, which is a website that stores code, we have one place that we have all of the code for Algorand. And when you, when you build the application and you, you compile the source code and you make an instance of the Algorand uh, node, you can configure that node to either be a participation node and its job is to do consensus, the things I just mentioned, as in create the blocks, validate the blocks and put the blocks in the chain. Or it can be a second type, it can be configured to be a relay node. And its job is instead of performing consensus, it, it doesn't do that, it just propagates data. So the relay nodes, when, they're op when a node is operating as a relay, it acts as an information superhighway between all of the Algorand participation nodes that are out there. Okay, so now that we know that, um, what's quite interesting is neither the relays nor uh, the participation nodes, so the, nor the consensus nodes, are incentivized on Algorand. So people uh, who are running uh, both relay nodes and indeed um, participation nodes, quite specifically, um, do not receive rewards for running uh, either of those nodes. And so participation, or and we call it participation, but really it's, people will know it as consensus. So when you're engaging in, in consensus for Algorand and you find a block or you mint a block or you, as Bitcoin people will say, mine a block, um, Although on other currencies like Ethereum and Cardano and indeed on Bitcoin, as an example, there is a, a reward for that. On Algorand, there is no such reward. If I could just quickly jump in, I think I read somewhere that, you know, there is a 4 to 6% APR for all algo holders uh, just for holding the coins. Uh, is that true? Yes. So there is um, uh, basically a yield that, that is generated. Um, but the way it works it used to be the case that all algo holders just for having the algo in your wallet you would receive more algo okay and so there was uh, the foundation where i work the algorand foundation were given uh, a large number of algo at the, at the you know to basically at the beginning of the network to to foster the ecosystem to give grants like ben mentioned we, we the foundation had provided folks finance a grant to get them you know up and running um and and that's great um, they were also using some of those funds to basically uh, give users uh, a top-up, okay, give users extra algo. But that's gone away. So we no longer have this idea where you can just earn algo just by holding it, okay? Got it. Now it's been replaced by um, what we call the governance uh, system. And so the way this works is, and this is where you get your, your, your kind of uh, reward of about, you know, 4 to 6%. Um, you participate in governance. So as a, a person who's holding algo, you're entitled to um, link your, your wallet to the foundation's governance portal. And when you're doing that, you're basically registering to vote, okay? And we have votes every quarter. So uh, four times a year, we have a vote on various different things. Could be uh, to spend money, could be to uh, incentivize DeFi, could be to you know um, do something, make a change to the network. And by voting in these governance uh, periods, uh, users are rewarded with governance rewards, and that's where the yield uh, currently comes from. Cool. So, so kind of looping back a little bit. So, if you said you mentioned that there is no incentive uh, for validators or participants, uh, and indeed any node that is marked as a participant can be part of the consensus. So, in that case, then uh, if I was a malicious party, what's to stop me from just creating a ton of nodes? Uh, participant nodes and standing them up and then proposing uh, blocks which are double spent, for example. Sure. So in order to propose a block, you have to be selected by the VRF. And to be selected by the VRF, that's weighted by the amount of stake that you have. 
So the network, the network is effectively protected by uh, a, a good actors who are currently staking. And so just like any other network, uh, like Bitcoin or Ethereum or otherwise, if a high proportion of your of your network is bad is bad actors, then you will have problems like the fifty one percent attack that we will know um, from Bitcoin. Um, on Algorand, it's closer to around forty percent. So if around forty percent of the of the people who are staking Algo are bad actors, then yes, we we would have a problem. But um, that's obviously quite a chunk. And so, given the current distribution of Algo, we have thousands of people who are running consensus nodes. Are running nodes rather, and those and those folks who are currently incentivized by the notion that they don't want to devalue their 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 stake, okay? Because of course, if if Algorand has some uh, security issue, then that would cause the the network to be devalued. Um, so those folks are incentivized to make sure that they they behave correctly during consensus. So so typically, what is the stake uh, that a participant has to put up? So, so it really depends. You you can stake with with, with one algo, okay? Um, uh, okay. So uh, anything above one algo or above, okay? Understood. Right. So it, you can stake with pennies. The thing is, though, just like Bitcoin, if you're mining on your computer at home uh, on your MacBook, you're not you're not going to be selected to to mint a, a block in the Bitcoin network. And so similarly with Algorand, if you're staking with like one algo, ten algos, a hundred algos, you're probably not going to get picked. Um, I think. The lowest number, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, but I think the lowest number that you're mathematically probable, you know, mathematically possible to get picked with is probably around uh, 10,000 algo or so. Yeah, but then there's also uh, no reward. So you're not kind of like losing anything by not getting picked, right? Right. And a very good point. And also just to mention, we don't have slashing either. So, you know, you, when you're staking your algo, just like on Cardano, uh, you, you can't lose your algo by staking it, if that makes sense. So, so that's actually a very interesting kind of a mechanism, right? Because what you've done basically is make it very easy for uh, anybody to kind of just set up a participant node and participate just uh, out of interest and their uh, self-interest in getting the algorithm ecosystem to succeed, right? And there's no monetary reward, uh, but because it's so easy, pretty much uh, it's, it, you've lowered the bar so that uh, a lot of people can participate. And then hopefully that kind of mutes your, I mean, uh, reduces the chances of your 40% uh, exactly. uh, malicious thing. And so that, that, by the way, just, just to add one thing, Nicola, that is the, the kind of the, the, the core insight. You know, Silvio is, is, is really, he's obviously a genius founder, and it's wonderful to have a man of his uh, stature work, you know, working on the project. I, I think we would consider, and, and I think, you know, he is an open-minded fellow. And so maybe in the future, we, this might change. Maybe in the future, we could have a situation where consensus is rewarded uh, on, on Algorand. Um, but right now, the network is running uh, in a decentralized and secure manner without those incentives. And just one other thing, to run a consensus node, or it's really called a participation node, but effectively a node that's doing consensus, you actually uh, only need to run it on a, on a Raspberry Pi uh, Model 4 with 8 gigs of RAM. So you can run it on a very simple computer because the VRF is very lightweight. But of course, the relays that propagate data across the network, so the relay nodes, the other type of nodes, they require a beefier computer, of course. Got it. So, so, so moving on a little bit to the, uh, the other thing that basically excites me as more of a, as a software developer, which is the uh, programmability of Algorand, right? So uh, I think uh, Ben also kind of touched on this uh, uh, back in the early days when we were looking at Algorand. One of the challenges was that, okay, it wasn't as easy to kind of build dApps that leverage the Algorand network, right? 
and now there's an AVM, there's a language, and uh, there's also uh, a software development kit, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so can you talk a little bit about the virtual machine, the T language, and uh, you know how it's set up? Absolutely. So, and I'll try to keep this short because there's so much to talk about. You know, any computer out there, whether it's your MacBook, your iPhone, uh, your Windows computer, it's got a brain inside it. And that brain is the CPU, the central processing unit. And when applications are written by software developers, they're compiled and those compiled applications execute on a computer. So when you double click on an icon, you're running Chrome, you're actually, the CPU inside your computer is running the instructions that's inside the Chrome application in order to let you see the website, let you browse, uh, you know, Netflix, okay? And so very similar to that, Algorand has a virtual machine inside it. So the Algorand virtual machine or the AVM is effectively Algorand CPU. Just to put this in, in, in perspective, Ethereum has one called the EVM, the Ethereum Virtual Machine. It's Ethereum's CPU, effectively. And Cardano yeah. has what's called Plutus, which is similar to its interpreter or, or, or CPU. Uh-huh. And so basically, um, the AVM has really been engineered for speed and precision. When designing the AVM, you might say, well, why didn't you just use the EVM? And the answer is, in order to achieve that green, uh, the, the greenness of, of the platform, the speed of data propagation, um, the precision with which we can engineer things in terms of like the data types that we have available, the integer size and the integer width and stuff like that. We wanted to design a, a virtual machine that was much more nimble, quick, and precise than what the EVM is capable of. Um, so you can think of Algorand as the ARM uh, chip and the, the EVM really as the, in, as the Intel chip. And so I would say one other thing. Um, all processors, uh, including the ones in your MacBook, have a thing called assembly language. It's kind of like the lowest level humans will interact with the processor on. And so the processor obviously deals, the CPU deals with ones and zeros. And so does, so does the, you know, the, the virtual machines out there. But we, when you're instructing that CPU, you can get down to this language called assembly. It's really low level. Now, most people, they write in high level languages like JavaScript or Python or, or even C. Um, but uh, these lower level assembly languages are required uh, to interact with a computer. Um, so... On Algorand, the assembly is called Teal. And um, Teal allows you to interact with the AVM and get it to do things for you. Now, Teal, Teal is an acronym. It stands for Transaction Execution Approval Language. But effectively, it's Algorand's assembly. So um, right now, we're just in the middle of totally overhauling the dev experience on Algorand. And this is so critical for us. It's great if you have this super fast, green, secure blockchain, blah, blah, blah. That's all great stuff. But if people can't have an easy time building, like I'm sure folks finance and um, Ben can t attest to this, it was probably really hard for those guys when they were getting started because Teal was tough. But we're moving away from Teal and we're going to be releasing a product called AlgoKit next month. I'm oh, sorry, this month. This month, it's March. So at the end of this month, we'll have AlgoKit available to the public. And AlgoKit is everything people need to build, test and deploy applications on Algorand. And it's going to be just as easy as it is to build an iPhone app or an Android app. It's going to be really fun. Okay. That's a great overview. Uh, a couple of questions that occurred to me. The first one basically was uh, regarding uh, the AVM, EVM thing, right? One of the things about uh, the EVM is that it was very tied to the fees, right? So every operation has a fee associated to it, and you uh, calculated all the gas fees and all that. And I remember uh, a, a lot of my... Uh, uh, programming uh, around uh, solid using solidity and uh, optimizing solidity was around 
making sure the fees uh, is not astronomical. So I was just curious, is, is that something that's a thing in the AVM? And, uh, and if so, basically, is that built into AVM or the T language uh, has specific uh, uh, commands for it uh, or not? And uh, the second question was regarding uh, AlgoKit. Uh, it sounds like that's, that's, a, that's a new SDK that you're building and it's coming out. I'll be curious as an app developer, what languages do I have to now learn a new language or is that uh, any existing language that it supports? What's the, the, what's the way in which I can leverage it? Sure, totally. So, um, you know, the way Algorand is architected is totally different. So there's no concept of gas fees really on Algorand. But of course, there are, there are fees, but they're calculated based on the size of the transaction. What I would also say is that when you're interacting with Algorand and you're getting it to, you know, run some, uh, to execute some, some, some code, okay, when you're running an app on Algorand, of course, um, there's a limit in terms of the computational uh, and memory budget that you have. So you do have kind of to write applications that are able to execute in a reasonable amount of time. Um, so, but this is similar to all blockchains. All blockchains have this notion where you will have to kind of have a, a budget for the application or the or the, the the app calls that you make, and so yeah, I think the team have done a very good job building primitives into the Algorand virtual machines opcodes uh, so that it can do some really cool stuff. So, for example, you can ask the AVM to verify a signature, um, uh, like a, a, an elliptic curve signature for you. You can ask the AVM. We have it in a PR. It's not fully in, in mainnet yet, but you can ask the AVM to do you know, equivalence checks for pairing-based uh, cryptography for BLS signatures. Um, so, yeah, super powerful and, and, and architected to be nimble, I would say. Nice. In terms of Alg AlgoKit, um, you know, everything inside AlgoKit is geared towards making it easy for the end user. So this is like, when, when, when a kid comes along, they're like, oh, this is cool, I want to check this, this thing out, right? They, 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 they don't spend, kids these days, they don't want to spend like, you know, weeks learning stuff. They want to make it super, you got to make it super easy for them to keep their interest. And the other thing is, I want it to be as open as possible. I want Algorand to be a platform that's for everyone. Um, so you don't have to be some like ninja developer like Ben's team have. Um, I, 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 want it, I want it to be something that even beginners can, can try with, um, um, and play with. So to do this, um, AlgoKit is going to give you everything you need to take, take you through the build, test and deploy. So that, that starts with like just setting up the code repository. It starts with um, giving people templates so that they have, you know, they can do file, new project. Hey, I want to try and do an NFT. In it. And so it helps you write the code and it gives you a starting point. So you don't have to write the first line of code yourself. Um, it's even things like testing, right? You want to test in a way that's easy. You want to have a framework that you can build test cases around. And it provides that. And then finally, uh, you know, quality of life things like syntax highlighting, support for VS Code. Or, um, you know, one, uh, you know, a, a one line command that allows you to install AlgoKit or allows you to, to run the, the application that you've, that you've written within AlgoKit and test it, this type of stuff. It, it really is similar to what Truffle did for Ethereum. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, I, I've taken inspiration from around the, the blockchain space and I've tried to distill the best bits right. uh, from hard hat, Truffle and, and other things and really bring that to Algorand. And finally, in terms of the language, it's in the first release this month. It's going to be PyTeal. So what, what is PyTeal? PyTeal is a, a Python syntax, but that calls into Teal uh, methods. So, so it kind of generates uh, the uh, AST for Teal 
Exactly. Uh, so, so it can generate steel uh, from Python. So you write the py code in Python and your logic in Python, and it just spits out uh, assembler. Totally. Okay. Yeah, but here, but here's the thing. It's still that I, I want that to improve. So um, I can tell I can tell you this. Over the course of the next year, we're going to be working on bringing pure Python to Algorand. That is that people can write applications that are literally Python, no teal. They don't see any teal whatsoever. And this is going to open Algorand development to every Python developer out there. Oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm one, so I'm really interested. Good. <laughs> yeah. So uh, just in the interest of time, so kind of moving on to, I think, something that's actually quite interesting uh, that I saw, uh, which is and, and something new that, uh, that uh, Algorand has in, introduced in terms of its core uh, cryptography, uh, and which is this concept of state proofs. Um, uh, perhaps, John, we could kind of, can you quickly kind of give us an overview of state proofs? Uh, I believe it also uses a new uh, quantum uh, resistant uh, cryptography uh, cryptography uh, technique as well, right? Uh, so maybe we could spend a few minutes talking about that. Absolutely, would love to. Um, state proofs are a new technology from Algorand, and they are super cool. So. The first thing state proofs were originally intended to and designed to to help with was bridges. Folks will be aware that um, on blockchains, if you want to bridge across a value between blockchains, it's actually quite tough. It's funny, really, because blockchains are effectively computer programs that are running in many computers that are all connected to each other, and yet somehow we, it's very difficult to bridge across b between the chains. And so it's quite yeah, ironic. Yeah, it's, really, it's that... a classic case of a closed system, right? Blockchains were built as closed systems. Yeah. And now you're kind of connecting to an external world that's always going to be messy. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, the bridges have been kind of like a notorious thing in, in crypto, right? Because they're the prime target for hackers. Totally. And so the way bridges usually work is that you lock tokens on one on one chain and then you have a, a validator network in, in the middle that like, watches one chain be locked and then mints on the, on, on the second chain where the destination is. So you lock on the source and you mint on the destination. And then when you want to bridge back, what you really do is you burn on the, on the, on the destination and you release on the source. Now, the contracts that exist, the smart contracts on both chains that allow this minting and releasing, they're easy enough to do. What, what tends to be tougher is the governance layer in between. As in, who do you trust to verify that you've locked and, and then you've appropriately minted? And who do you trust to verify that you've burned and that you have released uh, when, you, when you want to bridge back? And so the way this tends to be done by Wormhole and, and, and other popular bridges is that there's some kind of guardian network or some kind of bunch of folks who are running uh, applications who are basically attesting to the validity of these things. And so that's fine, but you're still trusting a bunch of humans again. And so state proofs are the answer to this. State proofs are a mathematically, uh, mathematically trustless way to prove the current state of the Algorand blockchain in a succinct, small, uh, four megabyte proof. And so let me just try to explain this. Whenever you're building a bridge, you need to be able to, as I mentioned, prove that, that the tokens have been locked. And so state proof, of course, we could just take the entire Algorand chain, but it's gigabytes, right? So we can't we can't just propagate the chain around every single time uh, that it's updated. Yeah. And so what state proofs do is they're able to ma mathematically uh, and cryptographically attest to the veracity of the state of the Algorand network and do so in a, in a mathematical proof that is so succinct that we effectively s compress the, the, the state of the Algorand chain down to about four megabytes, which is obviously really tiny. So it's like a snapshot of the chain. 
Yeah, it's like okay. a compressed snapshot, exactly. Now, to achieve this, the, the Algorand chain itself, the nodes that are involved in, in consensus are actually issuing these state proofs on the chain. The state proof, so the fresh proof to, to prove the state of the chain, is issued every 256 blocks. So that's every, every 12 minutes or so, there's a new state proof attesting to the, the latest state of the chain. Um, it uses a whole bunch of really groovy mathematics and effectively is a kind of a stake-based threshold multi-signature reveal. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty awesome stuff. But probably the, one of the most interesting things is that the state proofs themselves are, fine, are signed by a post-quantum signature scheme. Now, we chose Falcon, which is the name of uh, the post-quantum signature scheme that um, we felt uh, was, was strongest. And Falcon uh, is really fast Fourier lattice-based compact signatures over and true. And so this is a lattice-based post-quantum signature scheme that is thought to be immune from quantum attack. So even if you had a quantum computer that had error-correcting qubits in quantum superposition, and it was of sufficient bit length that it could actually execute Shor's or Grover's algorithm, um, you cannot use that, that quantum computer to attack the n-dimensional lattice-based trapdoor function that Falcon provides. And so uh, that's a lot of words, but in a nutshell, we use some mathematics from the moon and some very cool cryptography to prove the state of Algorand to other chains in a very elegant way. And you don't have to trust anyone at all. You just have to trust the code. Nice. Uh, so one quick question over there. So uh, are there any plans to kind of uh, replace the core uh, sig signature schemes of uh, Algorand with Falcon? So it's a good question. Um, it's a question I asked myself, actually. Um, and so the answer in the, in the immediate term is no. Um, so currently Algorand uses ED25519 uh, as its uh, elliptic curve-based signature scheme, which, by the way, mm -hmm. is, is, is fantastic, of course. It's used by Monero, Cardano, and, other, and others. Um, I actually prefer it to SecPK1, um, which Bitcoin and Ethereum use. But, um, you know, Al state proofs, do I, I mentioned that they're used to prove the state of the chain, but they also have this beautiful side effect. And the side effect is that they make the history of the chain quantum secure. And so because a state proof has been issued from the very beginning of the Genesis block right up to recent times, you, you can be sure that the Algorand blockchain has not been attacked by a quantum computer because otherwise the, the state proofs would be invalid. And so that's only one part, though, of the story about quantum security. And so to answer your question, we do need to change the signature scheme for, for spending funds to a post-quantum scheme at some time. Um, having the history of the chain secure is fine, but you also need to secure consensus against quantum machines, and you also need to secure spending. And so we haven't done those latter two. We're still, we still have to change the signature scheme, and we have to have a, a post-quantum secure VRF as well. But uh, we're, we're one third the way to quantum security, and it's, it's been a pretty cool journey. Cool. That's, that sounds really good. And I, I also heard that uh, you guys also contributed a lot to the, the Falcon uh, standard before it was uh, approved by NIST. So uh, kudos on that. Uh, and I, I'm sure that's a great contribution to the cryptography uh, space. Much needed, in fact. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Uh, moving on a, a little bit. So let's, let's go to talk, start talking about uh, some of the stuff that the folks finance guys are interested in, which is essentially around liquid governance and lending, right? So uh, Ben, could you kind of give us an overview, uh, a deeper overview of what liquid governance and GALGO is and what it can be used for? What are the use cases for this tool? 
Yeah, yeah, sure. So John was describing before how the Algorand governance works. So uh, basically, uh, the, the portal that the foundation built and the system in general requires you to uh, soft commit your algo. And when you do that, you are uh, uh, basically renouncing in using those algo in other systems. So you are uh, locking your liquidity for three months in order to have the, the, the yield. So what we did with liquid governance is simply as the name said, make this process liquid. And uh, we did that by using uh, Gialgo. Gialgo is the rapid version of Algo. And uh, basically when you commit to Algorand Foundation governance through Folks Finance Liquid Governance, you commit your Algo. We mint one-to-one Gialgo. And uh, then Gialgo, you can use it freely into uh, into the ecosystem. And uh, um, even if you sell all of it, by the end of the three months, you will still be um, eligible for rewards. And the beauty of Gialgo compared to other uh, um, rapid token that liquid staking providers can uh, um, did it on, on it on other chain, for example, think about Lido and all the rapid token that they, they, they meet uh, with Gialgo, basically, we were very good in doing uh, a partnership and uh, uh, bring it over uh, um, the entire ecosystem. So you can purchase NFTs, uh, you can use it as a collateral to borrow against that, you can uh, use it in all the DEXs, you can also even play games. And uh, that's one of the, the cool things about our team also that we are very well recognized in the ecosystem and we always push a lot the boundaries of partnership within uh, within Algorand, right? So that's also one of the things uh, uh, that is beautiful about Algorand itself that we are a very strong community. And um, yeah, so to go a little bit into uh, the mechanics of this, so uh, you said that okay, I can I can uh, the liquid governance allows me to kind of mint these Gialgo tokens, and then I can use the Gialgo tokens uh, for whatever for buying NFTs or doing other other things. Uh, is so first question would be. Is it a one-to-one kind of a pegging? So one algo for one Gialgo? Uh, uh, and uh, uh, also, how do I kind of come back, right? So suppose uh, the three months are over and uh, uh, my staking is done and I want to get my algo back. How do I actually go about doing that? Yeah, uh, so in uh, case you haven't sold it or doing anything else, at the end of the three months, once folks has received the rewards from the Algorand Foundation, then you can uh, uh, claim back your algo one to one. So the peg is simply kept by the, uh, the the design of the system. So at the beginning, you mint one to one. After three months, you burn one to one and uh, claim back your uh, uh, your initial algo but uh, actually the interesting thing is that the pool doesn't recognize you if you were uh, the original minter or not um, simply the pool allows anyone to burn one-to-one gialgo for algo so these uh, created uh, interesting uh, um, trading into the ecosystem because um, as soon as you mint Gialgo, you can pair it on a DEX, on a pool with Algo, and then there will be people during the three months that are looking actually to sell the Gialgo for whatever reason. So uh, Gialgo slightly the pegs during the, the three months on the DEXs, and uh, as soon as it gets to 
um, like a price of let's say 0.97 algo, it actually became more profitable to buy the package algo on the DEX than participate in the governance, for example. So there are now uh, a lot of bots that actually always buy the package algo on the DEXs. So even though it might be pegged during uh, the three months on the DEX, um, still it's very well bulletproof. We tested it during the last nine months, and okay. uh, there are always people buying it. So, so, but but if you don't know who's owning the algo and who's selling the algo, how do you know which stake has matured? Whose stake yeah. is basically? Because we register the original commitment. So we give you rewards based on the original commitment and not on how much you are giving back at the end. Ah, okay. So suppose, okay, let's, let's, uh, <laughs> I'm just trying, still trying to wrap my mind around it. So suppose I'm Nikhil and I got 10 algo and I staked it in a governance uh, thing and I go and convert, I get 10 G algo and then I go Correct. around, I go, I go to a DEX and then basically I sell it to, KK, uh, who buys who buys that uh, maybe six algo, and then John buys another four of them, and then KK comes to you and says, "Okay, I have six algo, and uh, I want to redeem it." And uh, you can go and you redeem it. Uh, maybe it's one month afterwards, after the commitment, or two months after the commitment. It's not yet three months, so you cannot do anything. You just redeem it and keep the G algo with you, and then uh, I don't know. After four months, John comes back and says, "Okay, here's my." for algae algo and uh, in total then that becomes 10. After three months you would anyway uh, allow me to pull out the original algo from my stake even though you may not you, no, may not you, all... you are not allowed to take your original algo you are allowed just to take the rewards they accrued based on your 10 algo initial commitment okay you lost you, you lost your algo yeah. Okay. So I've I've given you my algo and I've taken. Okay. Understood. Understood. Now because I was kind of somehow kind of like figuring out, uh, yeah. or trying to kind of. Okay. That's 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 the gap in my thinking. Thank you for clarifying that. You're <laughs> welcome. Yeah. So that's great. Uh, and then uh, the the other thing I actually wanted to also talk ask you was uh, regarding flash loans. Uh, so you had some uh, use cases where you said that folks finance basically has uh, flash loans and it can help you be able to uh, stake more algo uh, for, for using flash loans. Is that right? Uh, yes, uh, that's uh, behind the leveraged commitment. So in general, uh, what we are doing with folks is uh, leveraging uh, uh, the high quality of our lending protocol in order to compose the smart contract with uh, uh, for example, flash loans or swaps in order to make advanced feature into the lending itself. So the first feature that leverage this is uh, specifically the leverage commitment for uh, the algo liquid governance. So how that works is um, uh, pretty simple. So suppose that, uh, Nikhil, you again have your 10 initial algo. So what uh, you can do on Fox Finance is uh, uh, leverage four times this 10 so basically commit 40. How you are going to do that is uh, simply uh, you take a flash loan uh, of 300, of 30 algo, sorry. Then 30 plus 10 makes 40. You commit those 40. And with the 40 algo that you committed, you mint 40 G algo. 
With those 40 Gialgo, then you take a loan in the lending market where uh, uh, you are borrowing 30 Algo and using 40 Gialgo as collateral. So the 30 Algo that you borrowed, you are going to use to repay the flash loan. So all of these just described are wrapped into a group transaction that basically allow you to then at the end commit 40, 40 algo instead than 10. Obviously, on uh, uh, the 30 algo that you borrowed, you are paying an APR, which is because it's a loan. But this APR is lower than the APR given by the governance. So at the end of the day, basically, you are just increasing your, your yield over the 10 um, algo. At, uh, in, in general, uh, just to summarize the flash loans, for those who doesn't know, it's uh, a loan that must be uh, borrowed and repaid into the same block. So uh, thanks to the group transaction, you are going to use it for usually it's arbitrage. So um, you may use it swaps, generate revenue, then repay the flash loan and you are done. But uh, yes, that's how it works. Uh, KK, you want to move on uh, to the other topics? Sure, sure. I guess just to go a little broader in the conversation to take a look at the overall DeFi industry. You know, I, I would say we are in the middle of a crypto winter right now. And uh, many are speculating that stronger regulations are going to come down on crypto with the whole FTX fiasco. So uh, just want to know, Ben, what are your general thoughts on the future of DeFi going forward? Also, we'd love to know more about what you have planned for Fox Finance uh, in your roadmap this year. Yeah, definitely. So, um, I, DeFi has born as the wild west of finance, right? And uh, it, has, it, it has born as uh, um, simply bringing financial tools into crypto, right? So, it's a very new sector, still evolving a lot. Uh, and uh, I, I think that uh, the permissionless side of DeFi will not be stopped even from regulation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just simply so large, and there are so many applications. It's uh, and it's so beautiful. Uh, but it might be that it's going to evolve, and uh, I, I think specifically, like uh, even adding. Uh, permission layer uh, with using uh, uh, zero knowledge technology in terms of KYC. Um, it's because crypto users doesn't really like to, to, to give up their data. But um, if they are doing it uh, and they're using cryptography and then you're not really sharing as much as is not needed, uh, then it might be okay to move the, the assets towards this type of, uh, um, of new uh, let's say permission at DeFi, I like to call it this way. Um, and uh, this would allow also institution to come and play more with such tools. Um, I, I uh, very often talks with, talk with banks and um, as, as I, if I speak with them and talk about crypto and DeFi as permissionless, they are not even going to listen. Uh, but as soon as you start to add uh, um, some uh, KYC and compliance layer, then the things change because still they they are seeing uh, losing uh, a lot of value moving out into crypto and that they are not controlling anymore. So my personal take on this is that in the next year, uh, uh, DeFi will will evolve and will be more permissioned. Even if you think of the new layer uh, announced by Coinbase that will play also towards that uh, 
that was that way. Uh, but still, the, the permissionless and the far west side will still uh, um, keep living underneath. And probably it's where the technology will uh, um, develop faster and then will be also adapted to, to the permissionless side. And uh, uh, in general, I, I think that for uh, more of a mainstream uh, adoption, what's need defies, uh, first of all, uh, um, um, more simple interaction with the wallets um, because honestly if i have to think to to propose to my father to um to save his uh, his money like to, to to store his money and uh, uh, rely on a piece of paper where he writes the seed phrase he's never gonna do that he, there is too much trust into the uh the, to the traditional financial system trusting a bank um, maybe with the new generation, this will be different. I don't really know, but I think uh, new tools uh, that are coming up where there are ways of uh, restoring the phrase or uh, more with bi biometric uh, uh, recognition of the of the of the wall of the user with the wallet. This will boost adoption a lot of DeFi. So for me, as right now we are building infrastructure. And as a duty of a founder, for me, it's uh, to build uh, my specific business, which is then the DeFi protocol, as um, um, as simpler as possible to be used by by even Web T Web two users. Because right now on DeFi, this is not being tackled a lot. But I think as founders, we should do that because otherwise, we are not getting uh, more adoption on that side. And the last thing that I really see crucial, and I think that Algorand is uh, really the best technology for doing that, it's uh, uh, tokenizing real-world assets. As soon as this will happen, as soon as we will add more utility, in real utility, into DeFi, um, that uh, will drive mass adoption. Because right now, uh, being honest, is just uh, running behind incentives. I'm moving from a protocol to another because... Uh, the yield on the USDC is higher. Uh, I'm moving to another chain because there is an airdrop. You know, it's always like that. And uh, that's not something that can live forever. But as soon as we will be able to use on a lending protocol a collateral that represents an house or, um, um, or some art, uh, a monument, whatever, this will really change because then there will be a real world connection with it, with uh, um, something that right now is being uh, uh, played just around incentives. And for folks in general regarding our roadmap, so uh, for now us, we are very focused on into building this one-stop shop that wants to be like a centralized exchange where a user can manage his assets, trade it, um, take a loan, um, but also, uh, we want to give uh, the trust that DeFi tools can give so that FTX uh, problems cannot happen anymore. So I think uh, uh, we have never been in a much better situation to do that. And uh, at Fox, we are very focused on that. So, for example, next releases will be um, uh, the asset management directly from the protocol and adding short and long position. That's, that's quite interesting, actually, uh, uh, Benedetto. When you talked about, uh, you know, KYC and all that, uh, it just 
put my put my mind to a recent article i was reading on vitalik uh, vitalik always has this uh, interesting way of uh, simplifying concepts and one of the things he was talking about was this concept of a nft that uh, uh, has some kind of personal connection to it right so it's he, he calls it a soul bound token which apparently is a reference to uh, the world of warcraft game uh, which where apparently some tokens you have to earn and you can't buy from anybody else so that's kind of like this idea that okay we come up with a token or some way of basically creating a token that ties you to a physical person or a physical i mean to an actual uh, entity uh, and 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 uh, in in some manner that can't that can't be transferred uh, which which would be quite uh, i think i think quite a cool if we could pull it off <laughs> in in blockchains just to thought that occurred Um, yeah definitely definitely i i think that uh, i mean uh, that's an an option but there are uh, many projects building now on this on this uh, specific sector and i think in the next year there will be interesting technologies and we will see uh, more solution towards that absolutely absolutely uh moving on actually i uh, also wanted to uh, get john's uh, take on uh, the roadmap for algorand uh, i'm now quite interested uh, because he mentioned he's going to uh, give us python guys some nice tools um, is there anything else uh, in the roadmap or uh, something else that we can uh, look forward to to make uh, algorand uh, more attractive absolutely so really um we're we're enhancing the AVM so we're adding instructions to the, to the Algorand virtual machine so you can do more in a single line of code um, where we have lots of built-in functions um, and built-in opcodes as part of the, of the AVM so you'll be able to do like you know homomorphic um, additive um, signatures and, and 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 other really cool modern things um, so that's going to be quite cool in terms of the protocol itself um, we're we're going to be pushing from around six and a half thousand uh, transactions per second up above ten thousand, and so to put it in perspective, you know, um, you know, major credit card companies will, will be kind of fifty, sixty thousand transactions a second, maybe a little more. Yeah. So so you know we're 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 kind of really competing. You know, it's it's like fully decentralized, and yet it's up there with like double digit chunk uh, percent of, of of things like Visa. So pretty cool. Um, and then finally, we'll be pushing, um, of course, AlgoKit, which is a revolution in terms of the developer user experience for Algorand. And finally, um, block finality, we're trying to get that down under three seconds. So I think quite a lot to be excited about in terms of the protocol. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, uh, block finality under three seconds would be really great for the developer uh, experience because uh, I think that's usually one of the big things when you look trying to build a user interface is the waiting <laughs> totally so, totally and and yeah, and and so, the other, uh, the other thing is to to do that with no forks right to do that with no uh with no with no with no block height battles uh, where there's no re- uh, replays this is just great uh, you know if 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 things go as planned it looks like uh, ben you'll get your uh, father on uh, on a wallet uh, soon enough because it'll it'll feel just like another banking app to him <laughs> Yeah, I, I hope so. Like I, I'm still uh, having uh, trouble to make him uh, having a wallet. Uh, just tell him it's like his leather wallet only on the phone. <laughs> I agree, though, Ben. You know, just just to say that um, you know, 
my dad, I'm a little bit older than you. I'm in my late thirties, but like my, my dad also a smart guy, but he's, he's not interested in, in, in writing down words on a, on a page. Right. So he, you know, we got to make it. So it's like a credit card to these guys. Uh, when I say these guys, I just mean like the general person, the average person, the person who's not an expert in cryptography or DeFi platforms. Um, so yeah, totally agree with you. Uh, we need to make it easier. Cool. I think that's a great uh, uh, place to kind of wrap this up. Uh, I want to uh, thank you, John and uh, Ben, for a great conversation. Uh, it was uh, a very revealing and uh, great overview of what is uh, Algorand and what's new in Algorand and uh, also Books Finance, which is uh, a great use case for Algorand, right? So uh, thank you again, John and Ben. Yeah, I just want to quickly throw in my two cents as well. You know, it's the first time on this show that, you know, we have done an episode where we've taken a deep dive into a layer one protocol and, you know, have had the top project built on that protocol talk about the value of building on it, right? So uh, I really think this is, uh, this, this really adds immense value to our listeners. Uh, you know, people who might be looking to build on Algorand or somebody just trying to build a DAP and looking at multiple different layer one protocols to choose from. So once again, you know, I want to thank you both for your time and uh, we look forward to seeing great things from both Algorand and Fox Finance. Thanks both. Thank you so much for having me here. It was fantastic. Very fun. All right, folks, that concludes our podcast. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play and Spotify. And also you can learn more about us on bcdialogues.com. Thanks again for joining. See you next time.